Please listen carefully. And welcome in, everyone. Glad to have you back. We've got another episode of the Heard It Here podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here today. You know what this week was? I imagine most of you do. This week was the official opening of the NBA regular season schedule. Tuesday kicked off the regular season of the NBA, which was super exciting. Uh, Two headliner games to start out the season. Obviously, there was that big game, uh, the two L.A. teams... The Lakers versus the Clippers, um, the first time that, uh, obviously Paul George was out, but first time Kawhi Leonard would be seen on the Clippers, first time Anthony Davis would be seen on the Lakers, at least in a regular season game, and to have both of the, those guys, uh, plus LeBron James, in the game, uh, obviously made for a huge headliner, but I actually want to talk about the New Orleans versus Toronto game that was earlier in the night. Um, Toronto defeated New Orleans 130 to 122. Uh, the game went to overtime. It was tight throughout. I was impressed by both teams and I wanted to take some time to break it down. And then I'm going to go over just the reg, the, the, the rest of the games that have played out so far. So I'm recording this on Saturday before the Clemson game, obviously recording this. So I'm going to go through the games from Tuesday, October 22nd. To Friday, October twenty fifth. I'll just hit. I, I tried to just headline some of the you know the, some of the stuff that stood out to me. Uh, I watched a few of the games. I'll point out uh, specifically the ones I did. Obviously, uh, right now though, I'm gonna jump in and go ahead and talk about this Raptors versus Pelicans game. First of all, the Raptors were celebrating their championship from last season. They had the uh, the, the ceremony uh, during the game. And uh, Coach Gentry of the Pelicans was actually interviewed and said it was, you know, he thought it was good, uh, a good experience, even for his own team. Uh, obviously, any team in the NBA, your eventual goal is to play for an NBA title and to see sort of the afterglow, you know, the fallout effect of winning a title with your own eyes. I, 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 I agree with Gentry, and I, I think he made a very good point when he said he thought it was very impactful, especially for his young players, but also for, uh, imagine a guy like J.J. Redick. Redick. J.J. Redick has been to the playoffs every year of his career up to this point. Never been past, um, I don't believe he's ever been past the semifinals, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken. If he was, it was with like the Magic early on. Um, or, or, or I'm just totally forgetting something, but I, I don't believe that I am. Uh, but just think about it. You know, a guy like Redick, Redick is a guy, he's incredibly competitive. I'm sure most of you, uh, follow the low post podcast, but JJ Redick did an interview with, uh, Zach Lowe over the summer, talked about just some of his work routines, some of the stuff he does to hone his skills and continue to improve even his age. And it's, as you can imagine, it's meticulous. It's, it's very impressive stuff. Uh, I would recommend listening to that interview if you haven't listened to it. But I guess the point I was trying to make was this is a team with a lot of young guys that um, haven't quite li- lived up to expectations. Brendan Ingram, Lonzo Ball, of course, are the top two. Uh, Zion's injured, so I'm not really going to discuss him. It's just, there's, there's a lot of other stuff to talk about. Um, and I did discuss his injury on the previous podcast, so I don't think that's necessary. But I did think the other young guys, um, Josh Hart played 28 minutes. He played pretty well. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker got a few minutes. Uh, I don't need to go too deep into it right now, but I, I thought it was a telling quote from Gentry. I, I, I just like that insight from him. It was a tight game throughout, as I said. There's no more than a five-point gap at the end of any quarter. No, no team had more than a five-point lead at the end of the quarter. 
Game went to overtime, as I mentioned, but 50.1 seconds left in regulation. Pascal Siakam commits a questionable charge. Uh, that's his sixth foul. He's out of the game. Uh, and unfortunately, Nick Nurse had already burnt his once-a-game challenge. He was not able to challenge the call because he had burnt it on a call sometime in, I believe, the second or third quarter um, on just a meaningless foul call that meant nothing. This was a pretty, pretty bad charge call. I, I think most of the time this would have been overturned, and this would have been the perfect time to use the rule. Unfortunately, the first game of the season, first game with this rule in place, coaches just didn't really seem to know what they were doing. Not, not, sorry, that's a little bit strong. The coaches just didn't have a strategy with these challenges. They saw them. They seemed to see them as just like some uh, throwaway, you know, extra asset they have on the side. That that you know, there's no strategy with it. If you see something, maybe use it. Otherwise, you're just gonna waste it. But I think there is a lot to be said for the idea that saving that challenge, pocketing it until the end of the game, and waiting for a potential foul like this is absolutely worth it. If you don't use your challenge in 80% of the games, but are able to affect the course of the game dramatically in the last few minutes of a close game, such as this one, such as saving your best player from being ejected with 50 seconds left in a game that would eventually go to overtime, yeah, that would absolutely be worth it. So I And, and I think coaches will figure that out quickly. I don't think I'm the first person... Um, in the NBA sphere, which that's generous, I would say. I, I'm not the first person to think of this, I'm sure, but it'll be interesting to see how quickly the coaches are able to adapt. Uh, the coaching staffs are able to pick up the nuances and intricacies of these, the, this new uh, Coaches Challenge rule. I would say they probably haven't mastered it so far, but as I said, first game um, of the new NBA season, first game with the rules in place. I can't fault the coaching staff too much. That's something to look out for, though. I, I, I will be very interested to see if coaches are able to influence the outcome of very close games and very um, important games later in the season with this charge uh, sorry, with this um, challenge rule. Moving on now, my boy Freddie Van Vliet out of Wichita State had a career-high 34 points this game. He played the majority of the game, played uh, over 40 minutes, had a really impressive game. I'll talk about him later. Did it mostly off the ball, which I thought was impressive. You don't see many 34-point games off the ball. Uh, was clutched down the stretch. Just hit a few really big shots. Especially in overtime, uh, that overtime period without Siakam. I think uh, um, I'll talk about that later, but Kyle Lowry stepped up big. Uh, Fred Van Vliet was just very, very consistent, as he always is, uh, or, or, or as he has seems to have become. He was not consistent at all during the first couple of rounds of the playoffs last year. Uh, so it's probably not a – probably false by me. Uh yeah, Freddie Van Vliet, though, big shout-out to him. He and Siakam both had 34 points each, which you don't usually see totals like that. Uh, outside of, like, games with two superstars, like the Lakers this year, uh, or games against, like, the Suns or the Hornets. Got to throw the Hornets in there now. Got to work in the Hornets' digs. Uh I thought one of the most interesting things this game was the contrast in rotation decisions. The Raptors went eight deep. Uh, Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry played together most of the game. So there, for reference, their starting lineup was um, uh, Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry both started. OG Ananobi at small forward, Siakam at power forward, Marcus Gasol at center. Uh, Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry played 44 and 45 minutes respectively. Now this was an overtime game, but still, I mean that was that that's that's 40 minutes each in regular uh, in regulation. Uh, that means both of them were playing together quite often, the vast majority of the game, 
which is something we n did not see nearly as much last year, obviously due to Danny Green's presence on the team. Um, but now that there's not a, a really strong shooting guard on the roster, uh, Norman Powell got 29 minutes off the bench, um, but he was not that productive. Two of seven, five points in his minutes, and his role is as a scorer. But Van Vliet seems to have proved, I, I think, obviously with this game, he, 34 points, I didn't mention, five of seven shooting from three, uh, 12 of 18 from the floor overall. So just a very efficient shooting night as well. He um, he and Lowry played very well together. They were they were very effective. I'm not sure how it'll work against a few teams. Obviously, a team like Philly might be able to exploit that a little bit more, but they're not going to play Philly 82 games. They're going to play a lot of teams in which Van Vliet and Lowry are not just going to be effective. They're going to be really effective against your backcourt. Big roles for Norm Powell and Terrence Davis. Uh, not not too shocking to see Norm Powell get a big role, but 29 minutes is still a more than I would have pegged him for. Uh, he had more than Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka only played 26 minutes. Uh, Marcus All, for reference, I'll just say the rest of them. Marcus All, 32 minutes. OG Ananobi, 36. Uh, big number for him. Pascal Siakam, 38 minutes. Would have been more if he hadn't fouled out. Uh, Norm Powell, 29. And Terrence Davis, the undrafted rookie out of Ole Miss, a guy I liked in the draft. Uh, probably could have gone in the 50s. Uh, he made a he sent out a tweet after the draft. Uh, Sometimes to the effect of, like, I I'm not going to take a two-way contract. I'm better than that. I know I'm better than that. Uh, and he was right. After one game of Summer League with the Denver Nuggets, he signed a one-year guaranteed, con guaranteed contract with the Raptors. And his season opener, not just his season opener, but the team's season opener, which is pretty rare for an undrafted rookie. 15 minutes, 2 of 6 from the field, 5 points, uh, hit one of his threes, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. He had one very nice assist, sort of drove to the lane and passed it around a defender to the driving uh, big man. Uh, 2 steals as well. I was, I was very impressed with him. I, I'm... Very, I mean, I was very impressed just to see him on the court, given, I said, they went eight deep. For him to be one of the guys, I mean, for reference, the guys that were DMP coaches' decisions, Chris Boucher, Stanley Johnson, fellow rookie Duan Hernandez, who they took with the 59th pick, so I, I think that's saying something. Um, Matt Thomas, overseas guy, and Malcolm Miller. Uh, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson was out for an injury, I believe. Uh, but, I mean, very impressive to see Terrence Davis play that much. Uh, as I said, though, it was very contrasting styles as the Pelicans went 12 deep this game. The Pelicans played everybody on their active roster outside of Jackson Hayes. Uh, their starters, Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday, J.J. Redick, Brandon Ingram, Derek Favors. Uh, Drew Holiday led in... Minutes with 41, Brandon Ingram with 35, Lonzo Ball 25, J.J. Redick 27, and Derek Favors only 21 minutes. Uh, first of all, very stark given the extra five-minute overtime that the, that was their minute totals. I mean, that that is those uh, that would be Drew Holiday with 36 and Brandon Ingram with 30, assuming they played the full overtimes. So those are very low for your uh, leaders in minutes. As for the bench. Nicolo Melli came off with 20 minutes, Josh Hart 28 minutes, uh, and then Jaleel Okafor, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Etwan Moore, each with 12 minutes, Kenrich Williams with 18, and Frank Jackson with 14. Uh, a lot of Duke on that roster, a lot of Duke on the floor last night. Only Drew and Brandon Ingram exceeded 30 minutes. Uh, the other starters, as I said, did not get me. So 27 for Redick is pretty reasonable, but Ball only 25 Definitely lower than he would have hoped for. Uh, the fact that uh, Kenrich Williams, Nikhil, Frank, and Etwan Moore, and Josh Hart all played. Those are all guards. You would have certainly um, gone into this game expecting fewer of them to play, though very often they were playing with a quote-unquote shooting guard at small forward. One thing I really wanted to talk about, obviously 28 minutes for Josh Hart, that's pretty big uh, given that he was coming off the bench. Clearly, he is going to have a big role in this team, though, even if it's not a starting role. Nicolo Melli was really the story in my eyes. 5 of 7 from the field, 4 of 5 from 3 for 14 points. 
five rebounds, two assists, two turnovers. Uh, he played uh, 20 minutes, by the way, uh, which compared to Derek Favors' 21 minutes is, I mean, it, it shows that those guys had virtually the same weight. Um, I think Favors, uh, Favors also tallied up five personal fouls in his 21 minutes, so... Obviously, the foul trouble led to sort of the rotation shift, but the guy, the guys behind him played really well. Uh, ja, Jalil Okafor also put up a good game. 3-3 three three from the field, 2-3 of three from the line, uh, 8 points. I mean, he, he was fine. He, he looked perfectly ser- serviceable as a backup. I, I, I'm not too certain about Derek Favors' future with the team. Uh, we'll certainly have to see. Obviously, I don't have any inside information, but just from an outside perspective, Especially if you have Jackson Hayes there. He's not even getting minutes right now. I think he might move on from Derek Favors sooner rather than later. Especially um, with the contract he has. It's just hard. Not, not that they don't want to pay him. It's just hard to deflate a guy like that. Uh, his, his expectations when he's being paid that much. So I'm going to move on. Talk about the big plays of the game. This is a close game. So this is all going to be sort of the end of the game. Uh, obviously, as I mentioned, Siakam getting that sixth foul on a charge. Uh, he also had a really nice and one play earlier in the game, uh, about three three and a half minute mark. I obviously he he was big down the stretch until he fouled out. Josh Hart and Fred VanVleet traded back to back threes with about a minute and a half to go in the game to keep the game even. JJ Redick hit this just classic JJ sort of running pull up. He he took a lot more. Off the dribble shots, uh, at least more than I was accustomed to. So, so I, I think that's sort of a symptom of the lack of shot creation on the Pelicans. That's fine. You know, JJ is able to create those shots. And I imagine that's something he was working on over the summer, knowing the team that he was going to. Norm Powell, into, uh, into regulation. Sort of just inbounded the ball. It looked like they were trying to run a play. Just never came together. Jack, the just worst three-pointer I've ever seen in my life from about 30 feet. Uh, so that was a big play in that they had an end-of-the-game shot with the game tied with like 10 seconds left, and they got nothing out of it. Not 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 even an attempt at a good shot. So that was too bad. I wanted just... Lowry, just in general, though, hit four free throws in the last 213 of regulation uh, and also hit a three-pointer and a couple free throws in overtime. So he was huge in the clutch for the Raptors. Not a huge shock. No, no, no big plays in overtime. Unfortunately, the Raptors pulled ahead pretty quickly, uh, outscored the Pelicans 13-5. So it, it, it was not much of a contest. Uh, in the last couple of minutes of overtime. My key takeaways, though, first with Toronto, this team's legit. Uh, they're at least a 50-win uh, and one playoff round win team. Um, the real question is, can they have enough guys at the back end of the, ro- the, the rotation step up to the point where they can win more like 55 games, maybe get to the second seed if Philly doesn't, win as many games as they, as they honestly look like they will. Uh, even even the Celtics, we should you know probably mention um, as, as possibly being a 50-win team, but the Raptors certainly have a chance to get that second seed if they play up to their their full potential. Uh, and, and even, you know, beyond uh, that, <laughs> if they can, like, make a move on the margins, I, I'm sure Ujiri can pull something off if he, if he was prepared to. They could win a couple playoff rounds, to be honest. We'll, we'll see. Um, the short bench worked in this game, but obviously seems pretty unsustainable, especially given the age of those guys who are playing uh, so many minutes. Uh, although, to be fair, Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, and OG, all three are young guys, so you can play them a lot of minutes. Um, but Lowry and Gasol... You're probably going to need to limit their minutes. Ibaka is probably playing about the number of minutes he can play. It's not totally unsustainable, but I I, I would certainly imagine they're going to load manage those two guys, Lowry and Gasol, in some games, and I wonder if that's going to lead to just automatic losses. 
the benefit of last year was they were so deep with their like really good players that you could rest your all all like uh, all time great player in uh, Kawhi, and you could sort of find enough on the margins of the guys you brought up, and then the guys that were your starters that are now in that like score all our points role are able to carry you enough to take you over the hump to, to bring you to enough victories. But the bench of this Raptors team, if you, if you sit Kyle Lowry is not going to pick up the slack. Like campaign is not going to come in and win you a game. It, it's just not going to happen. I'm sorry. Um, this is, this is not the G league. This is, this is the NBA. So we'll see. I'm curious to see if they can find more from their bench. It was just—it was definitely interesting to see them not even go to their bench much at all. They're not going to be able to do that in the long run. They're, they're going to have to go to their bench. Uh, obviously, Fred VanVleet and Siakam, 30 points each. Uh, sorry, 34 points each. Incredible showing for both of them. Obviously, for Fred VanVleet, it was his career high. Um, really, just you know, a, a watermark achievement for him to score like that especially so efficiently, it just shows the sort of potential he has in his role. It's it's more of a Klay Thompson-like secondary scorer role. He's To score 34 points in his role is just exceptional. Um, it's similar to what Siakam was doing last year, obviously in a much different way, but just in terms of him scoring that many points, it has to be efficient because he's not going to get a ton of shots. It has to be efficient or he'll just score 10 points. Siakam now, obviously, has much more responsibility, so his role has grown a bit more. Uh, but again, very impressive for him to score 34 points as the primary option. Um, and I just thought he he played, um, I mean, he just played really well. I don't really know what to say. Their te- they, as a team, they shot really well from the free throw line, 84.2%, so 32-38 on the game. Um, Lowry shot 11-13, but again, Siakam shot 10-11 of 11 from the free throw line. He was just very efficient, very calculated, and he stepped up. Uh, he stepped into that sort of first, first, um, first option role. I think he did a really good job filling in, and we'll see, we'll see. But I liked his performance. Uh, as for the Pelicans, Ingram was hot in the first half, cooled off in the second half, and in overtime, I was kind of disappointed by that. We'll see if he can step up in the future, though. With Zion's absence, he should have the bulk of the shot creation opportunities. We'll see if he can rise his uh, trade value at all. If he can bump his trade value up. Because uh, I'm definitely worried about uh, clashes in play when Zion returns. We'll see, though. I, let's just say I'm glad. Uh, no, I'm not going to say that. Center battle. The center battle, uh, as I mentioned earlier, favors was rough. And Nicolo Melli was awesome. Uh, favors, for reference, I found this. Uh, this is per NBA.com uh, stats. Uh, seven of eight on the, the Raptors were seven of eight on shots that Derek Favors defended. Not good. Uh, not good. Nicolo Melli was awesome. As I mentioned, four or five from three. Jaw was three of three as a backup. Looked solid. Uh, the Pelicans looked better. Than I expected them to. They're they're on like the 75th percentile of outcomes that they could have had this season, uh, especially given the Zion injury. So I, I'm impressed so far with the majority of their guys. We'll see if they. Uh, it, it seems very clear this is an open battle for these rotation spots. I don't think the minute distribution is going to be this spread out um, in March. I think. <laughs> Another clear takeaway, the Pelicans would easily be an East playoff team. Um, and and as, as a newly newly crowned Pelicans fan, now that they have uh, Spartanburg, South Carolina legend Zion Williamson on the roster, I'm outraged. Because the Pelicans should be an East team. Have you been to New Orleans? Because if you haven't been in, like, I've been to New Orleans, I can tell you for a fact that is in the southeast. It is not the southwest. It's not the west anything. That is the southeast, okay? Hashtag 
make Louisiana East again. You can't argue with that. All right. As for the Raptors, my final conclusion, the Raptors absolutely should not blow it up this season, even if they had the opportunity. And I think most fans would agree with me. This team is just going to be too good. It's different than the DeRozan years. Like, Siakam is just, God, he's so exciting. How can you not want to see a playoff team um, built around Siakam in a, in a year where he's going to be in his prime? Like, you have to see that. You don't tear that team down around him and give him no chance to win a series. That would be awesome if they won a series. What if they won two series? You're going to trade that opportunity away so that you what, pick up like, like the 26th pick in the 2021 draft and like three second rounders that are going to convert to literally no production? I mean, it's just... I, I, you would be very hard pressed to convince me as if I was a Raptors fan that you should break up this team. That's that's the way I'm gonna put it. And let me let me know if you disagree because I I would be interested to hear Raptors fans' perspective. Um, obviously, I had uh, Mike Bassetti, who writes for Raptors Rapture. Uh, if you haven't listened to that episode, go check it out. We recorded it over a month ago. Sort of a uh, Prospect preview, so we talked a lot about Siakam, a lot about Freddie Van Vliet, and some of the younger guys. Overall, though, I, I, I do want to talk, or I just wanted to sort of mention off cuff, that both sets of younger guys played well. Obviously, for the Raptors, it's a different group. You have Siakam and Van Vliet, the two, I mean, quote-unquote stars at this point. You can put Van, Role players don't normally score 34 points, especially when they are... I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't want to make some... <laughs> that's a bit grand of a declaration to make, but uh, Van Vliet, Siakam both looked awesome. So did uh, Ananobi looked great in his minutes. Uh, great's an overstatement, but he looked like a starter in 36 minutes. Norm Powell is not even really young at this point, but he was fine. And Terrence Davis. Terrence Davis contributed in his 15 minutes. Uh, as for the Pels, obviously Ingram, I, he, he played well. Not, he wasn't good in the second half, I didn't think, but he played well. He played really well in the first half. Uh, Ball, I thought, was solid throughout the game. Two or three from three. Uh, just, you know, play, played. he just plays well with other players. Like, he plays well with everybody, which is weird, uh, given his stigma as a non-shooter and non-threat on offense as far as driving. But he's just, he always makes offense better. Always. Okafor, I mean, he's young. <laughs> he was good as a backup. But Frank Jackson, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Josh Hart, those guys look solid. I think Frank Jackson especially is the one I would point to as looking the best. Uh, Josh Hart probably is more ready right away. But Frank Jackson could be like a legit you know, point guard. Of, you know, maybe a legit future backup point guard who plays a little bit of shooting guard alongside the starter. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by Frank Jackson, of course. I don't know why I just said of course. That is not what I meant to say. Whatever. I'll get the intern to cut that part. Yeah. All right. So, that's about all I have to say on that game. So, I'm going to move on now to some generalist storylines from the opening week of the NBA season. So, as I mentioned, Toronto won this matchup 130 to 122 in overtime. Uh, the other matchup of the night, the Clippers won over the Lakers 112 to 102. Uh, on Wednesday, several games, none that I was too. Uh, I, I watched the Philadelphia over Boston game. Uh, that was a close game through most of it. But eventually, Philly pulled away uh, early in the fourth quarter, so it was not really close in the fourth. Ben Simmons looked good. He looked just dominant inside. Uh, Joel looked also pretty dominant inside. Having Al Horford on the Sixers and not on the Celtics was absolutely the swing of this game. Absolutely. The number one takeaway from that game was that having Al Horford on the 76ers completely neutralizes Boston in that matchup. So I, I, I would pick Philadelphia to win every single game they played against Boston. Um, now, now that they have just that front court matchup, Philadelphia wins 
100 out of 100 matchups. They, they win literally, I, I, I don't know. I can't put it any stronger. Um, <laughs> the other games I wanted to talk about, Charlotte over Chicago, 126 to 125. I don't really care about that game. I did not watch it. Um, I, 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 I don't have time to watch that crap. Are you kidding me? I'd rather go get some sleep than watch that game. P.J. Washington, though, 27 points, 9 of 17, 7 of 11 shooting from 3. That's pretty That's pretty phenomenal. Um, obviously, it's probably not very sustainable. Um, he, he did shoot last night versus Minnesota, 1 of 4 from 3, scored 10 points. But the fact that he came in his opening night and put up 27 points, shot that well from 3, very impressive from P.J. Washington. Very impressive. Not many rookies are able to do that. Um, and obviously he'll have to follow it up with later performances, but he's he's definitely on my radar now. Uh, not that he wasn't before, but that's not something I expected him to be able to do in the NBA ever. Maybe like a random garbage game in April. Not his season opener, though. Not his first game ever in the NBA. I guess that's the point I really want to drive home, you know? Is inexperienced in the league. Very impressive by him. Very impressive. Minnesota at Brooklyn. Brooklyn, uh, sorry, Minnesota wins this game 127 to 126 in overtime. Very close game throughout. 50 for Kyrie, 36 for Carl Anthony Towns. Cat, 36 points, uh, was on 11 of 22 from the field, 7 of 11 from three, just like PJ Washington. Wow, both Kentucky grads. I'm not saying anything about P.J. Washington. I'm just, you know, number, the numbers don't lie. 7-8 uh, from the free throw line, 14 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, 3 blocks, uh, 3 turnovers as well. Cat, um, obviously, was awesome. Cat, um, in, in his Friday game, put up 30-some points as well, I think against the Hornets, but still, I think he had 37. Wiggins unfortunately, was the, the the exact opposite of Cat in terms of his performance. 21 points, 10 of 27 from the field, 0 of 4 from 3, 1 of 2 from the free throw line, 8 rebounds, uh, 0 assists, 0 blocks, 0 steals, 1 turnover, negative 26 box plus minus. First of all, he took 5 more shots than Carl Anthony Towns. Scored 15 less points, 15 fewer points. Five more shots, though? Like, what? Who is allowing this to happen? How is this coach, Saunders, uh, how how can you let Wiggins take that many shots? Like, it just can't happen. Like, Wiggins, dude, what are you doing, man? Zero assists, 27 shot attempts, 21 points. You just need to pass the ball. Or someone in the front office needs to figure out a loophole to assign him to the G League. His backups, for uh, for reference, Josh Okoji, second-year player out of the 18 draft, who's the 20th overall pick, 14 minutes, plus 22 overall, plus blo- uh, box plus minus score. Um, and his rookie <laughs> other backup, Jarrett Culver, who's the seventh pick in this year's draft, 16 minutes plus six, box plus minus. So Wiggins was so bad that his um, two shooting guard backups had a combined 20, po- plus 28, uh, positive 28 plus box plus minus. That's, that's rough, dude. That's rough. Yeah. But hey, I mean, at least they are both signed to identical uh, maximum rookie extension contracts because those guys are clearly equal in talent, equal in merit, equal in salary. That's what that's what they say in the NBA, right? You know, you make what you earn. <laughs> uh, on the other side, though, for Brooklyn, Kyrie put the uh, Kyrie put up fifty points. In his first game for the Nets, I'm sure that was awesome to see for the fans at home in Brooklyn. Um, 50 points, 17 of 33 from the field, 7 of 14 from three, 
9 to 10 from the line, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. Uh, so Kyrie put on a, a, a just phenomenal show in his opening night in the uh, in Barclays. Rodion's Rojones Crooks played seven minutes last night. Um, he's still under investigation for a domestic violence case. Pretty unusual to see a guy who's under investigation for something like that that was so graphic in its nature still play for the team, especially, <laughs> to be frank, when he's not a star player. Um that certainly changes the dynamics. Usually it's a lot easier to cut a guy that's not a star player. It's it, You've got to imagine the Nets are pretty confident in this guy's tale of, uh, tale of the whole event because, I mean, if, if the Nets are playing this guy and he committed what... Uh, so, I, I, I'm... Y'all just go look this up. I, I don't... I just... I don't want to talk about it, but... I mean, it was bad. He's, it's if if he did what he was accused of, it's bad. Um, and, and I have not heard anything that would indicate that it is 100% true. But I have not heard anything to indicate that it's 100% false. Um, so we, we will see. It is just strange to see him. We'll see. But it just worth noting, he played seven minutes in that game, so he's on the roster. He's still playing for the Nets. Move on now. Let's just move on from that. Um, Mem- uh, Memphis Grizzlies went into Miami, and Miami won that game 120 to 101. Uh, Jimmy Buckets was out for personal reasons, so this was kind of a sham of a game. Miami still pulled it out, though, which pro- probably tells you something about Memphis, but, you know, it's still um, some notes worth taking from this. Justice Winslow, 27 points. Seven assists, three turnovers in his 37 minutes. Always like to see him. Uh, another Duke grad. I think I might have to run some uh, data and see just how many Duke guys are in the league playing big minutes. Like, do it like a minutes distribution by university. I think that'd be pretty interesting. I bet you Duke would be... Duke might be higher than Kentucky. They might be at this point. I, I don't know. I'd have to run the numbers. But... Winslow, again, good to see him putting up numbers. Uh, he was putting up big numbers in the preseason. Good to see him translating to the regular season, carrying over from last year. Bam, Adebayo. Only played 24 minutes. Uh, not a huge shock due to Myers Leonard and Kelly Olenek still being on the roster. But 24 minutes, he was 3 of 7. 8 of 10 from the free throw line. Um, 11 rebounds, 4 from offensive rebounds. Did rack up 5 turnovers, though. Um, and Bam is a guy that I think watching him in highlight reels, you would not expect to be handling the ball very much or if you were just watching him pregame. But he does um, make a lot of decisions with the ball in his hands. He does dribble, sort of bring the ball up the floor a lot. So those five turnovers, while noteworthy, not particularly out of the blue for the Grizzlies, John Morant, the number two overall pick out of Murray State. 25 minutes in this game, 14 points, 6-12 from the field, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, 6 turnovers. Not a shock there either. John Morant was incredibly turnover prone in college. He led um, all college athletes in turnovers last year by a wide margin. Um, His assist-to-turnover ratio, despite having a lot of assists, his assisted turnover ratio was still pretty mediocre, like not just for elite um, point guards that were drafted high, like in the year, like in, in all college basketball point guards that he was playing against. So not too shocking to see him rack up six. Turn- I mean, four assists in 25 minutes as a rookie, like that's that's not bad. Uh, the six turnovers is obviously concerning, but not surprising, I would say. Um I, I would certainly have expected that. It's I, I, I mean, that would have been like the second line of my scouting report on him was he's turnover prone. Uh, I mean, he likes to make adventurous passes and he's he he will make play. He will he will try to make plays. Uh, I do want to point out also, Jonas Valanciunas and Dylan Brooks both had five fouls uh, as starters in this game. 
in 16 and 18 minutes, respectively. So, as I said, uh, I, I didn't watch this game either because it was probably not <laughs> very entertaining, but very weird. I don't know what happened there. Uh, just, it caught my eye. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., 17 points, 5 of 12 from the field. Didn't hit any of his six three-pointers, but was 7 of 9 from the free throw line. Two blocks, three turnovers. Good to see him um, still being a big part of the rotation. Obviously, they're going to lean on him as their number one talent um, as John Morant sort of gets his legs underneath him. And for my draft NBA uh, draft nerd friends, Brandon Clark, 23 minutes in his career debut in the NBA, eight points, three to six from the field, hit his only three-point attempt, so take that anti Brandon Clark scouts, seven rebounds, one block. I'm sure he looked like the second coming of, huh? You see, he's so good, I don't even have a comparison for him. I'm sure he looked like the second coming, uh, he, he probably looked like the first coming of Brandon Clark is what he looked like. Yeah. So, uh, moving on, uh, Luka, Luka Doncic for the Mavs, second year guy. Uh, I'm sure most of y'all have heard of this Luka guy. He's, he's, he's pretty good, I guess. Put up 34 and a win over the Wizards. Moving on to Thursday, only had two games that night. or Sorry, four games that night. Hawks, oh God, three games that night. We'll split it right down the middle. Uh, Hawks beat the Pistons 117 to 100. Trey Young put up 38 points in this win. Uh, D-Rose scored 27 the Bucks defeated the Rockets at Houston in their season opener, 117 to 111. Giannis led the Bucks with 30 points. Russ led the Rockets with 24 points. And the Clippers defeated the Warriors, 141 to 122. Lou Will with 22 led the Clippers. Steph led the Warriors with 23. Uh, as for Friday night's games, Boston won over Toronto, 112-106. to Dallas over New Orleans, 123-116. to By the way, Dallas versus New Orleans would have been a phenomenal game if Zion was in it. Watching Zion match up against Luka's team would have been spectacular. And obviously, the number one thing that you should be concerned about with Zion's injury is Zion and how he is and whether or not he can produce at the, uh, whether or not he can play basketball like he, he wants to, whether or not he can live the life that he wants to. That should be your number one concern. Uh, and I say that because I don't think it is a lot of people's number one concern, not people that work in basketball and know players and um, sort of understand that these are real people. But I think a lot of fans don't understand that, but I, I, I just, I, I, I think it also would have been just really exciting as a fan to see him in this game, you know, just as a selfish point of view, like it would have been great if he was not injured so he could be fulfilling his destiny right now in the NBA, but it, it would have been great to see him in the game too, and um, would have been a lot of fun, it's too bad we didn't see him. Um, next game, Portland over Sacramento. Uh, that's 122 to 112. Dame put up 35 points. De'Aaron Fox, 28 points. That's Sacramento's second loss of the week. Sacramento also lost to Phoenix. Um, that's, that's, that's probably not a good sign. Rough start for Sacramento, who added a lot of pieces in the offseason. Uh, Dwayne Dedman got three years, I believe, $40 million. Um, good, versatile defensive center who can shoot threes. They also picked up Trevor Ariza, a uh, small forward. He's pretty old at this point, but has produced uh, a lot over his, uh, most notably with the Rockets against the Warriors in that famous seven-game series. Picked up Corey Joseph, who was a backup point guard with the, with the Pacers, uh, formerly the Raptors and the Spurs. Moving on, though, last important game of Friday night was the Lakers, who defeated the Utah Jazz 95-86. to 
Anthony Davis came out at second half. Uh, sorry, a Anthony Davis started the second half at center. So that was a huge, huge shift. Um, JaVale ended up playing 12 minutes, and Dwight Howard played 19 minutes. So Anthony Davis played the rest at center. Anthony Davis was quoted after the game as saying uh, he, quote, doesn't mind doing it. Um, I, and I, I would say my biggest observation from this is LeBron is feeding AD hard. Like, every chance he can, he wants to feed AD. Uh, the stat lines don't really bear that out, but I think watching the game does. LeBron, 31 minutes, 32 points, 12 of 22 from the field, 1 of 4 from 3, 7 of 8 from the line, 7 rebounds, 10 assists. Anthony Davis, 32 minutes, 21 points, 7 of 17 overall from the field, 0 of 2 from 3, 7 of 7 from the line, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, and an impressive 5 blocks. Others on the Lakers. The other starters, as I mentioned, JaVale McGee uh, played 12 minutes. No points, 0 of 1 from the field. Uh, 4 rebounds, all of them offensive rebounds. So that was a nice contribution in his 12 minutes. But also uh, 3 turnovers which I would imagine contributed to him playing only 12 minutes. Danny Green put up 28 minutes as a starter, 9 points, 3 of 8 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3, 3 steals, 1 block. Avery Bradley was the 5th starter, um, 26 minutes, and an identical 9 points, 3 of 8 from the field. He was 1 of 4 from 3 with 2 of steals and 1 block. So both of those guys seemed to play pretty well. Um, uh, Quinn Cook... KCP and Alex Caruso all played a good 20 minutes each off the bench, but weren't really able to make an impact. So I don't imagine Avery Bradley and Danny Greenlee seeing fewer minutes. Probably it will be more in the future. Troy Daniels, though. Troy Daniels crushed it. He was sort of like the last guy on the roster. He was, he was actually the first one signed this summer, um, signed to a minimum deal, but he was... <laughs> Not necessarily the prize free agent. I mean, I guess that was Danny Green. So no one was really the prize free agent. But uh, in this game, 21 minutes, 15 points, 5 and 9 from the field, 4 of 8 from 3. So very impressive showing from Troy Daniels, who is making an impact and showing that he might he may, he may be worth some rotation time. Uh, obviously, we always see this, though. Guys that have good games early in the year. Uh, and are never really able to do anything later in the year, or the coach just doesn't really trust it and goes to his other guys. Last notable things, uh, undrafted free agent Zach Norvell Jr. got in for three minutes, so that was cool to see. Uh, shooting guard out of Gonzaga. And Jared Dudley only played five minutes in this game. I think I think most of us would have expected him to play more, given the lack of shooting uh, small forwards on the team. Um, obviously, that's just not how the Lakers decided to run this rotation. Uh, Frank Vogel did not want to play Dudley for whatever reason. Um, the Lakers did lead by 22 points in the fourth, uh, so Utah brought it back to within nine uh, for that nine-point final margin, uh, sort of in garbage time. So it was not necessarily close down the stretch, sort of similar to that Boston 76ers game I talked about earlier. Um, as for observations on the Jazz side, John, Donovan Mitchell did play a good game. Uh, 34 minutes, 24 points, 7 of 15 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3, 10 of 10 from the free throw line. Also put up a good uh, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, and 1 nasty block of LeBron James. Jeff Green, notably, was the Jazz fifth starter. Um, obviously, that starting lineup is now Mike Conley. Donovan Mitchell. Um, usually, it would be uh, Bogdan Bogdan. Uh, sorry, Bojan Bogdanovic and uh, Joe Ingles in, in some combination. But unfortunately, uh, Bogdanovic was out for this game. I believe he's. I, I actually didn't research that. Um, but it, Joe Je Jeff Green stepped in as the fifth starter. Uh, obviously, Rudy Gobert anchoring the center. Uh, Joe Ingles, as I mentioned, played 28 minutes this game. One of two for two points. Not an impressive showing for Joe Ingles. Um, certainly hope he can step it up in future games. You got to hope it was just, you know, the, the defense that he was seeing in this game. I think the Lakers' defense was pretty stifling. Um, I, I, I think more of this speaks to the Lakers' defense than the Jazz' offense, though I don't think the Jazz' offense is, like, top 10, top 5 caliber now.
Conley also struggled. Conley played 31 minutes, 13 points, 3 of 11 from the field, so didn't really shoot that much. 1 of 5 from 3, 3 assists and 4 turnovers. Never the kind of numbers you want to hear. That's all I've got for you, though. It was a good opening week. Very exciting. Can't wait to see the weeks to come. You thought I missed anything? Let me know. Reach out to me on the Twitter page. I'm going to try to keep up with that a little more. Um, now that I'm going to be actively making podcasts, now that the NBA season is finally here, I'm going to try to make some more podcasts like this, obviously, just some NBA-focused podcasts going over what's happened, breaking down some stuff in detail. going to try to do some more college football podcasts. It'll mostly be Clemson-focused. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but I'm going to try to do some more, like, I've had I've heard some people say they want to hear like sort of like prospect stuff for college football. So I could do that. I could talk I, I, maybe just some general players to look for, especially like the skill positions, quarterback, wide receiver, running back. Could talk about just like the Heisman race, Clemson's prospects. I'm definitely going to talk about them, uh, but stuff like that. And I'm going to also, lastly, try to do a lot more interviews in the future. I've reached out to a few people already. Um, I know there are some people that I've just kind of gotten, you know, lost um, in the shuffle with. I haven't really been recording recently. I just sometimes I, I don't know, you know, it just takes takes a little bit to. I mean, it's you know, it's not something I've done a long time putting my voice, you know, out like that. Um, so yeah, but I, I want to try to schedule a lot more interviews. Um, going to try to get some guys that are hopefully closer to the industry in the future, the sports industry, you know, maybe I can get in contact with some people at Clemson or, um, some of my NBA connections. We'll see. We'll see. Stay tuned, y'all. I'm sure whatever it is, it'll be either entertaining or great noise to fall asleep to. So, Take your pick. All right, y'all. Thanks for sticking with me. I'll see y'all next episode. Keep it easy, y'all.